Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. Before we get started, I'd like to introduce you to a new sponsor of the show, Basecamp. Throughout my career, whether it was at my own agency or now as a consultant, Basecamp is what I've always relied on to help keep projects on track, on schedule, and on budget. It takes a straightforward approach to project management, it streamlines workflow management, and definitely keeps the team in the loop and on top of ongoing updates, which are all major components in a smooth running operation. No matter if it's a simple campaign or a multi-million dollar project, Basecamp has been a key ingredient in the recipe for a successful project and business. Go to Basecamp.com Agile and sign up today to start a free 30-day trial. There's no credit card required and you can cancel online at any time. If you want to know if Basecamp is right for your team, signing up for that free trial is the best way to do so. Remember to go to Basecamp.com Agile, that's Basecamp.com A-G-I-L-E, to get your free trial. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. Now, let's meet our guest. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how fintech can provide transformation in established industries that benefits customers, companies, and others. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Demetrius Gray, founder and CEO of Captain. Demetrius, welcome to the show. Thanks a million, Greg. Really appreciate you having me. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Uh, So why don't we start by you giving a little background on yourself as well as what you did before starting Captain. Well, you know, I am a Kentuckian that has uh, moved to the Bay Area following uh, our stint in Y Combinator and uh, really have spent my entire career as a a nerdy accountant and uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, turned a technologist building tech in really legacy industries that are sleepy and in and, and much need of innovation. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, so let's let's dive in a little more on the ideas behind your fintech platform, Captain. So what was the driving factor behind starting it, and what are some of the problems you're solving for? Well, as you know, the weather is terrible pretty much <laughs> anywhere in the country at this right. particular point, whether it's droughts in the west and or floods um, in the east. And, you know, winter weather in Texas does all result in, you know, really major catastrophic issues for homeowners throughout the country. And even more so real problems for the contractors who they hire following natural disasters to really make sure that they can do their work quickly and efficiently. And so we built Captain for contractors who are doing insurance claims throughout the country following major natural disasters so that they could get paid quick and the policyholder gets their repairs done faster because there's nothing worse than waiting on your home to be rebuilt after a tornado or wildfire or whatever it might be um, and just not having the funds to do it. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like these challenges are only going to increase as well. How does how do you actually go th- and solve some of those challenges? Like what are what are some of the steps you've taken? Well, when you think about what has to happen, insurance companies make payments to homeowners and those payments are actually normally pretty good promises. They just tend to be slow. 
right? And when you're dealing with a traumatic situation, sometimes it's harder to make decisions than it normally would be. And so captain creates the rails for the transaction, you know, so basically you're your contractor is given funding by captain upfront so that you don't have to put out the money personally. And then we do the slow business of being paid back by your insurance company whenever they find time to write that check. And so um, what this does is it allows the policyholder and homeowner to be able to get back in their home faster without really putting all the burden on that contractor to carry and accounts receivable for months or even years um, in that process. And so um, Captain says, you know what, we've raised almost $100 million in debt um, so that we can extend you liquidity and cash to get this work done. And in turn, we take a fee from the contractor in that process. And frankly, it's much better than them having to try to toil with insurance companies or with homeowners who may not have the cash just yet for their repairs. Yeah, yeah. What uh, would you ideally like to achieve with the company, you know, beyond even what you've done so far? Well, you know, we've already been blown away by the sheer volume of need. Um, and, and frankly, I, I say need because it's exactly that need. Yeah. Um, whether you see the Western Kentucky tornadoes or the Eastern Kentucky floods or the Marshall Fire in Colorado or any of these events that you see on the nightly news, our goal is to create a space for every single insurance-related, natural disaster-related expense to go and so that people can actually get whole faster, right? We want to get back on with our, you know, living our normal lives. And, and so, you know, you see millions of dollars plowed into, you know, disaster relief after a major event. And, and you look around two and three years later and people are still not back in their homes. Um, we hope to be able to solve that problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about the business model of of Captain. So you're solving for a fairly complex issue. So there's three parties involved here: uh, homeowners, contractors, and insurers that all need to get a win from this in order to for it to work. Uh, I have some experience with two sided marketplaces, but you know we've got we've got three factors here. Where did you start in order to solve this this challenge? It's really great to always look at who has the largest pain, right? And these contractors have a very significant one, yeah. one that is calculated and quantified uh, on a monthly basis with a P&L and balance sheet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, they see their accounts receivable and they're ballooning. And, you know, it's not uncommon for a restoration contractor in the United States to have aging receivables of 240 days plus. Well, and you can't, you can't get a loan. When that's the case, there's a lot of challenges that come alongside an accounts receivable that's elongated in that way. And so we started with the contractor and we really set out to solve their problem. Now, you know, contractors are a very special breed in our country. (laughs) And so um, it's really been, you know, one of the challenges that we have to solve is making it intuitive for a sort of non-digitally native group of people, but really beginning there. And if we serve them well, then we can serve their customers extremely well. Yeah, and you you bring up a, a point I wanted to get to as well, which is that that audience, the the contractors, not necessarily known with being on the cusp of of cutting edge technology and and, and stuff like that. 
describe your approach a little bit more. I know you alluded to it, but you know, describe your approach a little bit more in order to make it easy to adopt. And you know, what what kinds of things did you consider, and and how how did you make it as easy as possible for them to adopt? Well, we tried not to create more friction. One of the challenges that and this probably doesn't come as a surprise to you or your audience, (laughs) is that when you start to get into the weeds of most contractor relationships with consumers, you start to realize that a lot of contractors aren't following the law. And so we actually started with making sure that we gave them legally compliant agreements to use within our application, within their state, um, so that we could be sure that the the consumer that they're doing business with is actually doing business with the best, most reputable contractor because they're crossing the T's and dotting the I's and have fully enforceable agreements. That's where we began. And then what we did is we really focused on making the analog thing digital, right? So a lot of times it was about converting what is a traditional three-ply contract paper into a digital format that's easy to use so that the contractor could simply execute via an iPad or an iPhone in home or even remotely. And so what we've seen, and I think the thing that sort of struck us was that the, you know, results of the pandemic have really moved a lot of these relationships to a more remote signature level of comfort that didn't exist when back in the day when I was a contractor. And so a lot of people have gotten far more comfortable And uh, we really had to move quickly and pivot to make that feature available to our contractors so that they could simply email our terms and conditions directly to the policyholder for signature, as opposed to doing it at the kitchen table. Yeah, yeah. What about from the the consumer side of this? Did you, was there any reluctance or skepticism or, or anything like that? Like, how did you, how did you bring consumers on board? And did you face any challenges? Well, you know, what's interesting is we don't have to do that at all. These relationships with the consumer are really with the contractor. So Captain goes out and it approves contractors every single day to use our financing. And so, you know, it really is incumbent upon the contractor to explain the role of Captain in this overall process. And frankly, it gives consumers a level of confidence, right? That look, I'm not having to put out any cash up front because they have financing through an alternative means to actually make this thing go. And, and that's really important because everybody knows that, you know, cash flow in a construction company is a challenge. Um, and so getting that level of confidence around, hey, there's somebody behind this company who's willing to, you know, write the check um, becomes really important. And so that's where uh, consumers have like generally taken the view with us is that, hey, this is better for me than the you know previous version of what I was going to do, which was hey, I was going to write a deposit check of you know half down or a third down or whatever it might be, and if the contractor ran off with those funds, then I'm you know out of luck. Right. Um, right. The status quo now is like hey, you don't have to worry about that anymore. We'll front the money. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think the I think that changes the nature of the relationship with the contractor to their to their end customer as well. You know, in a sense, they do need to be up to speed on on your product. But the positive side of that is they're offering a better experience for their customers, right? I mean, they're able to offer more flexibility and and things like that. So you know, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it seems like it's a little bit of maybe of a learning curve on the contractor side. But um, at the end of the day, they're, they're selling a better experience. Does that sound right? That's exactly right. You know, we really built this for contractors, but we absolutely took consumer protection 
as one of those sort of core values that we're working from, which is if you looked across, you know, the legislative environment after a lot of these disasters, what you'd discover is that states attorneys generals crack down on contractors following these events. And they do that because, you know, the consumer wasn't really protected. And so what we've done by giving contractors the rails, we've embedded consumer protection within the overall process so that you know, when you're using Captain as a solution, you know that the consumer um, is fully aware of everything that's being done. They know exactly what they're being charged. And there's all of these components that really make sure that they do have that great experience. Yeah, I mean, that that takes it definitely one level beyond the, you know, there's there's review sites where you can get, I would say, for the most part, legitimate reviews of of contractors and, you know, so you're not going to hire the one with one star, you know, from a hundred different people or, or something like that. But, you know, this, this takes it to a, what I would say a much more practical place and with, with real protection. Cause I mean, again, you hire a five-star rated contractor on, on one of those sites, they could still do a terrible job and they could, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of potential there, but this does, this does provide more protection. So it sounds, it, it, it seems really interesting from that perspective as well. Well, and, and you know, that this sort of core thing that we began to understand and the epiphany that we had is that consumers throughout this country have all of the authority, but oftentimes not a lot of the knowledge and experience because mm-hmm. in your lifetime, you're likely to only file one, you know, homeowner's insurance claim ever. Right. And so you're, automatically at a disadvantage as when you partner with captain what we've really said is look we see thousands of these and so with your authority and with our knowledge you can move through this more effectively and get back to your homeostasis faster and your place of normalcy um, faster and when you do that partnered with a great contractor it really does make all the difference in the world yeah yeah you know, climate change and, and the, the repercussions of it, you know, certainly a big, a big issue. Have you run into just as a, as a startup, what, whatever the case may be, have you run into any skepticism or, you know, has that played a role at all in, in how you raised money or who you reach out to or anything like that? Well, it's a really interesting question. A uh, good one. Uh, because in order for you to not uh, invest in captain, you also have to sort of deny that there's a climate crisis. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you, you know, like you're like, okay, yeah, you're a climate believer, but you can't make an investment in a climate, a, fun, a company that funds climate disasters. Got it. Okay. Makes complete sense. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, um, so, so we spent a lot of time working on these issues, you know, as it relates to like the skepticism you reference, you know, the reality is, is that most of our investors who um, we've raised money from, they've had some experience um, with a an event, whether it be a wildfire or a flood or tornado or hailstorm, they know it. Yeah. And that is oftentimes why they understand why this is a sort of really painful process to go through. And frankly, we've been really encouraged by not just investors, but also insurers who started to say, you know, we understand and you are really de-risking and this overall transaction for us also because of your willingness to front the cash, right? Because now the insurers now know, hey, you know what? This is a great moment. We know that Captain has spent the money. Now we feel 
100% comfortable writing that check. Because right now, the status quo is that a lot of insureds are waiting on the insurance company to pay for something that hasn't yet been done, right? And so that's a more risky position than the ability to say, nope, all the work is done. It's already been paid for. The insured is now whole. Now, pay us back. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Well, uh, one last question before we wrap things up here. Uh, you know, having been part of Y Combinator, as you mentioned, uh, being a founder, what's one important change or evolution that you're seeing in you know both the fintech space as well as the startup space in general that other potential founders should keep in mind in the months ahead? You know, I think there has been a huge push around austerity and pulling yourself in and not hiring and doing a lot of these things. I think, you know, being fundamentally aware of what type of business you're in is one of the things that most companies are really getting well acquainted with now. Because for us, as an example, our business is not correlated to the market. Right. There are going to be severe weather events, whether the NASDAQ is up or down, uh, or tech stocks are up or down. And so, um, so we have a level of flexibility, even in terms of the market. I think what we've had to do is be sensitive, though, to what that means for venture investors as we move forward. And so, you know, some of these funds, uh, you're looking for funds that have more dry powder, <laughs> you know, than yeah. less. Yeah. Um, and, and those who maybe just raised a fund that becomes really, really important. And frankly, the month of June 2022 was for us a a little bothersome because we sort of started to see the earth shift. But as we've gone into July and August, we're really encouraged by what we're seeing in terms of overall investor interest. And I think investors, for the most part, have reset their thesis for you know what they're now looking for in this new environment. Yeah, yeah. And so in my assumption is the austerity and, and that overall is just based on being conservative about potential downturns and recessions and exactly. And yeah. Like yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and that, that always seems like, you know, I've been through a few of these in my, in my career, you know, I was, I, I was at a startup, you know, back in 2001, you know, during the, that, that whole interesting time and, and seen a few of these. And, you know, wow. I always think that interesting things come out of those tough times, right. You know, I think social media, really came out of that that first first boom and i think the sharing gig economy whatever you want to call it kind of came out of 2009 right and so do you do you have any predictions for what might be you know any trends that you're seeing in startups or or anything like that that might be coming you know maybe not immediately because we're we are kind of headed towards at least a tightening of of things, but you know any any trends you're seeing in, in kind of the startups that seem to be popping up right now. Well, I I don't know that it's a necessarily sort of product focus that um, I have much commentary on, but I will say that the type of companies and the way the companies are run is vastly changing yeah. from where we once were, where companies had a level of uh, sort of a laissez-faire attitude around, especially venture back companies around. Uh, monetization and revenue, I think founders are getting far more aggressive on their willingness to sort of say, no, we actually need to make money right now. Um, And so, and frankly, it is something that as at Captain, we're tracking now every day, um, as opposed to six months ago where we were like, okay, yep, we'll, we'll monetize at some point, right? Today it's no, like, you know, what are our numbers? 
where are we? And so I think that general awareness, frankly, I think will create stronger companies, right? Really metric-driven companies that, uh, um, which then makes the market even more competitive, I, I would say. So, so you, what you can expect is that you're going to see actually stronger companies come out of this because they're now focused on the things that really matter. They're measuring what really matters in terms of uh, their overall growth. And so, and you, I think you'll start to see some big rounds again, frankly, because of that, right? Now, I don't know if uh, the, uh, you know, a number of the investments that are, I think, trending on Twitter right now uh, are the ones <laughs> that uh, people uh, are, are going to expect to be revenue generating. But I, right. I think that you're going to see some really great companies that have really figured out a revenue model, strong business models that will be really competitive. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. Well, Demetrius, thanks so much for joining. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Listen, the best way is to go to captainhq.com. And we have the ability now for homeowners to create accounts. And so we'd love for every homeowner in this country to have a disaster plan in place. Um, and so you can do that at captainhq.com forward slash homeowner. And uh, we'll be there to support you every step of the way. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Demetrius Gray, founder and CEO of Captain, for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.